0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup. It is March 19th, 2022, and tonight we will be talking about Dr. Disrespect yet again, but this time it deals with NFTs. We'll also be talking about the dismal 30-hour downtime for Gran Turismo 7 and what that means for the game going forward, and we'll also be talking about the Hogwarts Legacy State of Play held alongside the PlayStation team. Again, it is March 19th, 2022. We're going to roll our intro and get things started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NTC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean, yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a... Um, that we had the resident evil stuff that they were successful with castlevania welcome to another npc's weekly news roundup and it's the news time i am joined of course by kyle via discord kyle hello what's up man all right there we go we are officially here kyle say something so we can make sure audio actually works now am i here i, I think i'm here I, I think so if everybody can hear kyle <laughs> okay. then we're all good all right everybody welcome it is march 19th Right? March 19th. I can't believe we're already almost through three months of 2022. Wow. It still bothers me. March 19th, 2022, you are here to watch us, of course, talk about the video game news this week. And honestly, it's kind of a doozy for things this week. So let's just hop right into it, Kyle, and start off with our first story of the week. Gran Turismo 7, the most recent Gran Turismo game, just launched like very recently for the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, suffered an online outage for 30-plus hours, and it prevented people from being able to play their game, even in offline mode. Uh, I want to start off with something here, Kyle. Before we get into like the, the nuances of, of what was going on here and what the dev, uh, the the lead dev, had said there from the Gran Turismo team. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people on Twitter talked about this. Um, is that the game itself was not playable online and. They uh, that Sony had gone back and forth on and beating up on Microsoft over the years, especially after the Xbox One announcement about needing the online connectivity to, to play some games and how Sony said, oh, you'll never need that for us. And here we are with one of their key titles having to suffer it. Um, what do you think about that before we kind of get into the technical stuff
1: from the dev team? Uh, I, I, I honestly I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you don't know what to say yeah i mean this has kind of been a train wreck from the get-go i feel like just the the for starters the the whole online thing like it's funny that sony has been a champion of you know you look back at like the uh, beginning of the playstation 4 launch how they kind of went against xbox they were like oh this is how you trade games when you're on playstation and, and you know someone walks the on over. stage yeah yeah and now we're at a point where you know you're expected to be online to even access the cars that you've purchased with money that you've pumped into the game unfortunately because it, it prompts you you know would you like to top off your funds you know and unfortunately a lot of people succumbed to that and this patch was actually supposed to fix some of that but it didn't really but going forward beyond that i mean I, from what i understood there might have been one race you could do and that was it i have no idea so, actually on what was
0: able to be played because it sounded like it was just hardcore broken here's what here's what uh yeah pa- here's what polyphony digital the devs for gran turismo said As they said, immediately before the release of the 1.07 update, we discovered an issue where the game would not start properly in some cases on product versions for the PS4 and PlayStation 5. This was a rare issue that was not seen during tests on the development hardware or the QA sessions prior to the release, but in order to prioritize the safety of the save data of the users, we decided to interrupt the release of the 1.07 update and to make a 1.08 correctional update. So apparently... They saw an issue with it and wanted to make sure that they could preserve what save data there was, which I assume a lot of save data is actually up in the cloud for, for their stuff anyway, just like it is for syncing between the different consoles like right. for uh, Microsoft with the Xbox. But it took them over 30 hours to figure that out, and it rendered the game unplayable To the fact that, like, to the point where its Metacritic score... I think it's even here in the article. It's Metacritic Sword dropped to a 3.2 on the user review side.
1: Yeah, that's rough.
0: That really is. Uh, It's just, in this day and age, I mean, we're used to downtime in games, especially for standard maintenance and such, but we never usually get prevented from playing some of these games because some of them do have an offline function or do have offline mode where it doesn't require you to be online to play it. So... Right. It's weird that you think that after all these years of Gran Turismo games coming out that we're, we're at this point now, though. But again, it is kind of a kick in the face after what Sony really liked to make fun of with Microsoft. And now here they are doing the same thing.
1: Well, and it kind of harkens back to, if you remember, the release of the most recent City on PC, how much of a train wreck that was. You had to be online. People couldn't connect to the servers. Servers were flooded. Um
0: And again, like the microphone. And it wasn't even an
1: attack. It was, you know, it was just people trying to get on and play. Yeah. And, you know, they, they had to do things to correct that. And it, it it just makes you think, you know, what what could have they have done to correct that? Could they have actually made more of the game? accessible and playable. Maybe you could have a local save file that actually had your your vehicles on it. So you could at least, you know, tune your vehicles or run test tracks on your vehicles um in the event that this were to occur. And I know that, you know, they go on further in the article, um, with the interviews that they they state that, you know, they don't necessarily want you to rely on the microtransactions. They're there, but they the vehicles are there to earn. But, I mean, with such a high scale, and even with some of the corrections that they made, some of the races, you don't get more. You actually get less. Yes, some of them you do get more. But even correcting some of the vehicles, people are still going to be spending $20, 40 on a vehicle.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's why I made the comment there when you were talking about SimCity with the microtransactions. Because EA really, really screwed the pooch on that one by the way they handled microtransactions and granted EA is mm-hmm. not a, not a bastion of goodwill when it comes to the microtransaction environment, they've really mm-hmm. messed a lot of people around with it. But the fact though, that at the end of the article, yeah, is that from, um, from Yamauchi, it, uh, full name is, let me go back up here to the top is uh, uh Kazunori Yamauchi. He is the game designer and polyphony digital CEO. And He where he says here, it's like he's like at the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. So I do think it's important for it to be linked with the real world prices. I want to make GT7 a game in which you can enjoy a variety of cars in lots of different ways. And if possible, would like to try to avoid a situation where a player must mechanically keep replaying certain events over and over again. Okay, yes, that's that's a given. I think, you know, you want to try to find a way where you don't have to make them do something repetitive, but then you're off putting everybody, especially the reviewers who didn't have to deal with this microtransaction stuff in their reviews, much less any sort of these potential for online issues, preventing you from playing the game in general, you know, you're doing a disservice Mm -hmm. to the entire gaming community at large, whether they even are playing on a PlayStation. Like if they're on an Xbox, they're going to see this and see obviously that there is a, a problem. And, it just feels like it. just feels like it's a way to get around the fact that this is a money grab. It really is.
1: Yeah, I. I, just, I mean, I don't, know. don't get me wrong. For Forza, they they have their pitfalls with the True. the money grab as well. True. You you can buy credits and whatnot, and you can buy. I think they have two different currencies actually on if Forza, if I'm not mistaken, because you have the uh, event currency that you can purchase or earn. From the special events and then they have your regular currency. Yeah, that's so but I feel like to the same effect the rewards are much higher in Forza. Um Mm -hmm. it does offer a little bit more variety in that aspect, so you're not having to race the same race over and over and over again. And on top of, you know, all of that, it the the cars are just more attainable. Right. Because of the fact that you do have higher rewards. So is it really necessary? They don't have to push it in, in Forza. Granted, if there's the person that wants to spend all the money in the world to upgrade and tune every card, they can.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's another one of those things that even comes into it, that, yeah, if people want to spend the money, they can. And a lot of people do, especially because we saw this with Battlefront 2 several years ago, where you didn't have to even earn the cards to unlock them. You could just pay all the money to unlock them. Be the best of the best and absolutely like blow everybody in multiplayer away who has to go through the grind to earn those different trading cards to boost their character stats. So, mm-hmm. it is another one of those things that does come into that is that is this just simply a money grab? Because if you want people to be able to keep playing your game, obviously there's going to be a grind for some of these things, and we get that. But you know, you can offer a pay thing to do it, but there's also a level of excessive cost when it comes to being able to do it or having the ability to shill out enough money to be able to buy all that stuff in the first place and completely blow away people who can't afford to go and spend money on those microtransactions in the first place.
1: Right. So it's just a mess to the same effect. I, I don't think they should be attacking the Metacritic score with, you know, down votes. They should be sending messages to, to polyphony, directly about you know their their qualms. You know, they they spent seventy dollars on a game. It you know, and then they're spending potentially money on on cars in the game and then it for it to go down for 30 hours and you not have access to any of it. Eat.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean I also see it though is that a lot of places have tied um bonuses and um additional earned money from their main publisher. To Metacritic, mm-hmm. you know, that's why it's like, you know, I mean, we can say this, of course, because we worked for Open Critic as contractors for a little bit. You know, that's why Open Critic was started, was because of that problem with Metacritic and tying stuff to game scores. But that is still really a true thing, though, is that by bringing this down, you are potentially affecting the way people are going to be getting paid. And that might be a way to send a message, though, in tandem, because you can't just stop like, I mean, you could just stop playing the game completely, but it's like they've already gotten your 70 bucks. This is just another way to hit them in the wallet, though, too, if there's something in their contracts we don't know about that are tied to Metacritic scores. Just an idea. So it is another way to hopefully... This is true. uh, But in the meantime, of course, though, it is back up and running, though, now. I have not heard of any issues since this has been fixed. But if you are playing this on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, um, let us know, of course, in the chat how your experience has been so far since it came back up. And if you are running into any more uh, issues, at least you know since the, the supposed fix has been put into place. In the meantime, <laughs> we carry on to one of our favorite topics to talk about, and that is NFTs.
1: So, um,
0: I remember sending this to you, Kyle. Though, like actually telling you about this, and I remember the 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 message I got back from you. Are you f- kidding me? Uh, so yeah, yeah. So uh, as I think we've probably talked about in some other news live streams uh, is that Dr. Disrespect live streamer, uh, game streamer, you know, all around big personality when it comes to gaming online um, has backed a new AAA studio called Midnight Society. And they are working on a game using Unreal Engine 5. They're trying to bring in people to uh, actually develop it, bringing in some people from former, you know, who work for other AAA studios to work on it. Um, has decided that a way to earn money from people to be be founders of it instead of doing something like a Kickstarter using Indiegogo are using NFTs to be able to bring in some of that money, and they are calling them the Day Zero Community. So what that means is these are uh, people who are going to be early access members of the community um, or of the game who are going to be able to help drive direction um, are able to pay $50 to be a part of this to get a ethereum backed nft uh which is called uh what they call here in the article a visor cortex helmet design which basically is some type of design look that maybe they're going for in the game it really looks like a it looks like a uh oh what is it it's uh, what's the name of uh kojima studios uh mascot the the guy in the spacesuit with the skull um you know, in the helmet. I have no idea. I thought he had a name or something. But anyway, it's kind of like that, the way these um, skins look here. Let me go ahead and flip over to the uh, capture really quick. And you guys can see this here from Eurogamer. Uh, but these are sort of what the, NF, uh, the NFTs actually look like. At least the one that Dr. Disrespect has, his custom official one, looks uh, more like the skull part itself, though. But this is what people are getting for NFTs. And they're procedurally generated is what they are. So as they get them, um, obviously, they have the ability to take them and resell them um, wherever they can. I don't know where that's going to be, but that is something that they can do. Uh, they
1: honestly kind of remind me of uh, Runner meets uh, Daft Punk.
0: That's, that's about the same vibe I got for some of these other ones I've seen shared out online. Uh, yeah, but what they said here about it, let's see. Um, where's the other part of this here? Uh, Midnight Society will grant 10,000 potential applicants the right to purchase a pass using a points-based system with first dibs for popular content creators or engaged community members. So that means that you either have to be a big-time streamer or a uh, community member who's engaged with them. I guess you're spending a lot of time on their Discord <coughs> to be able to actually get first dibs on one of these NFTs. <coughs> Excuse me. Um yeah, Founders Pass gets you a one-of-a-kind Midnight Society call sign and Visor Cortex that you own. But what's interesting, though, is that an FAQ says all Midnight Society characters and variant designs are intellectual property owned by Midnight Society. As such, Access Pass holders cannot sell or commercialize Midnight Society characters or designs in any way. So it's very interesting because you think you take $50 times $10,000, is that, Five hundred grand.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. This this feels like a scheme.
0: It it does. And and like I, I get trying to earn the money. You know, we've seen all of the different things that come with Kickstart, uh with Kickstarters, with with Indiegogo's, with stuff in mm-hmm. Steam early access. Um you know, it, it's it's interesting to see this because one key thing that the article actually makes mention of here too from Eurogamer is that because it does have this NFT element to it. We're not going to see this game available on Steam. That's that's one place that this game is going to be completely missing out on part of the market is that uh, Valve's rules for stuff being on Steam is that it cannot have any way, shape, or form to like deal with NFTs. It can't. So it means that this is going to be limited to where it gets distributed at, probably going to at least be the Epic game Store I imagine they'll partner up with given that it's using Unreal Engine. Um, oh, yeah,
1: I'm sure. I
0: just, I, I just... I despise NFTs because it really does feel like a cash grab. Again, just like the microtransaction oh, yeah. stuff we talked about. I mean, they look cool, sure, but I, I don't get any value out of it. I don't see it.
1: Well, you know, and I just heard a story, I think it was this morning or just the other day, about the, uh, you know, the ape NFTs. Um, they had the ape coin launch and anyone that had eight ape nfts got gifted some coin well all of a sudden it turned into a pump and dump scheme that all these people they got the coin they just got rid of everything so it was like what was it a scam or you know officially
0: raised the price on it and then dropped it really quick yeah i'm curious about that let me see
1: and i I, kind of wonder you know i i see the fact that you know them putting the uh kind of the middleman in there that you know all rights are reserved to midnight society um i don't know how trading or whatever is gonna go or you know how how it how it'll work with those nfts um maybe it it won't be a a scheme because of the fact that you know some some ownership is retained by the original creator i don't know
0: yeah it looks like here according to coinbase ApeCoin has risen by one thousand and forty-four percent in the past seven days. Price declined by nineteen point ten percent in the last twenty-four hours. Uh, the current price is eleven sixty-nine per ape, and ApeCoin is fifty-seven point four eight percent below the all-time high of twenty-seven dollars and fifty cents a coin. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that, especially having launched on March sixteenth, and yeah so again it does feel like that though
1: yeah like i said though i i see you know them retaining part of ownership or you know some some rights to the original nft maybe that's a block saying you know that that's not going to happen or you know maybe it'll be some form of control that they're not going to get carried out of hand, you know. There's there's not going to be one that's worth like a million dollars or whatever. Or who knows? Maybe they can artificially inflate the prices however they want, and they can be the heritage auctions of NFTs.
0: Jesus Christ! I really hope not. I really you hope like not. that analogy. <laughs> I, I do, I do, but I despise it though too. So, I mean, if you're a person to buy an NFTs, I mean, sure. It just again, there is a way to raise money. I just. Feel like it's just jumping onto the bandwagon to do it instead of using some of these other established ways to be able to help generate value in it, though, too. So maybe there's something about it that they feel that NFTs are just easier instead of doing something like Kickstarter. Uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, From NFTs, see, and that,
1: remit, that's so that's what I feel like. This is this is like a cash grab to try and get a foothold. Into the studio so they immediately have funds for a game. Um, and I don't think it's a savory way of doing it. But I mean. That's on them. <laughs> Agreed. It really
0: is. Especially if it does end up being a pump and dump. And whatever does come out of this, this studio backed by Dr. Disrespect. It's going to be. I guess it's going to be interesting to see exactly how well it holds up. Because trying to make a game like that in the in the competitive space that is Shooter's. I mean you only sometimes get um a diamond in the rough, you know.
1: Mhm. <coughs> <coughs> oh, well, and some me. of the the ideas that he was thrown around before he'd even created the studio, it very very big plans. Um so who knows what it, what he'll come up with. I mean, open world uh survival shooter with all these elements. I don't know. That's pretty ambitious. Yeah, I
0: just I don't know. I think I'll stick with... uh, What's the new game we're playing right now? Core Keeper? Yeah.
1: Core Keeper, yeah.
0: I'll just stick with playing (laughs) that for now. I'm good. Um, Yeah. But another... We can move on here probably to the next one, and this one might actually interest you, Kyle, given your love for Devolver Digital. Uh, Devolver Digital's co-founder has a new company that is working on medically therapeutic games. Uh, So the co-founder of Devolver Digital, Mike Wilson... um, the, he is working with uh, a new partner named Ryan Douglas. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of international medical device company Next Turn. This is an article from Video Games Chronicle. Um, and they are working together on creating video games that are specifically for uh, treatment, like actually specifically for medical treatment. And they are working with a panel of how many did the article say? I think it said 40. Yeah, almost forty people who work in both gaming and medical fields who have been donating time and resources into making sure the games will be both beneficial and entertaining. So your boy at Devolver Digital there, Kyle, is working mm-hmm. on games in the medical field now. Um I mean we've seen games for games for good, especially when it comes to um uh to for those who, you know, need physical therapy, like things like the Wii and the Kinect you know, being very useful things for physical therapy. Uh, we've seen some stuff Well, even most recently
1: we had the, uh, the game that was released for tablets that that could actually be medically prescribed by doctors for children with ADHD and ADD.
0: That's right. Yes. We had that too. And, um, even with that though, too, um, you know, we've also got Microsoft support for their adaptive controller for people who have Mm -hmm. disabilities in that too. um, so there's definitely been a lot more emphasis on things as of late. Um, I mean, we've seen it, though, at least over the years. And we know that playing video games sometimes, depending on what it is, can be very relaxing. I mean, you know, again, we were talking about the game we were playing. Why am I already forgetting the name? Core Core Keeper. God, Core Keeper. I, I, I don't yeah. know why I'm forgetting the name <laughs> of it already. Core Keeper. We were playing that last night. And out of all the other stuff we've played recently together, that game was therapeutic in a sense, because we're just digging around. We're not very frustrated or confused or anything by what's happening, and it was rather enjoyable to just sit and play that. Um, And I'm sure with an element like that, something for what they're working on will probably end up coming into play. So, I mean, what do do you think about that, though, Kyle? Do you see more advancements here that potentially that Devolver CEO could potentially bring in or co-founder could bring in to to something like this with all of his experience in in gaming anyway.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I think there's numerous um ways that gaming could be actually utilized in the medical field as far as like different sorts of therapies um, you know, f- helping people with motor fine motor skills especially. Um you think of course the the therapeutic side uh, there's multiple ways that that could be applied uh in you know just calming someone down or you know whatever or providing relief in some way um it, i mean it, it even can in a sense tie into like sensory deprivation chambers i mean true that in a way people have um just out of body experience experiences um in in, in these chambers, um, and there there's nothing. So what if all of a sudden you could in, introduce a singular thing or, you know, just change a person's perspective so they're only introduced to one thing, you know, get, bring gaming into their life, and, you know, especially like VR. Um, you think about all the ways that VR could potentially be used in, in medical. It, it's nuts. And not even just necessarily on the... Uh, the patient, you know, receiving therapy or you know treatment side, but also in in actually performing treatment.
0: Yeah, like I, I was seeing some of that though, you know, or, or seeing some of that kind of like passing in my head as we were talking about it there, and especially as you were bringing things up, is that I was just kind of having some things go through my head. Is like the what they could work on, especially. I mean, Devolver Digital, of course, is is very well known, especially for you, for a lot of their roguelike games. And Mm -hmm. um, they've definitely done some things that are interactive, especially in the sense of outside of being video games. What I see, though, especially, is more advancements that we've had in VR, where VR, you're not just playing games. Of course, everything is physical. You're moving around doing stuff. But um, they've got... um, My wife is talking to me about this because she really wants an Oculus Quest 2 to be able to do this, Mm -hmm. is uh, Supernatural, which is a... Uh, fitness subscription game for the quest that allows you to do all these different things, whether it is like boxing motions, whether it is things that look like Beat Saber, meditation stuff, mindfulness stuff. You know, I see some of that playing into this too. I also see things, especially if we get more advancements from um, uh, Magic Leap and Microsoft in the world of augmented reality. You know, imagine somebody with... um with cognitive issues that does need some of that additional help and benefit being able to put on something as a next generation hollow lens to be able to help oh, yeah. augment their reality in a sense to, um, to help them forward, you know, to
1: help the them next move gen ahead. Google glass that, you know, never really was, you know, that could actually help people with disabilities in everyday life actually survive, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's, it is one of those big things especially because of the cost of what treatment is for a lot of things anyway being able to continue bringing that cost down where say it is something like the Oculus Quest 2 and you go and buy the the cheaper model for $300 that game can or that system can not only be just a gaming device though by doing things in vr But now you have this other medical device, it'd be almost one of those things that'd be interchangeable with like having, you know, like a scale in your home, for example. Like, you know, you go to the bathroom in the morning, you go weigh yourself just to know what it is. It could become one of those things that becomes a medical device in of itself, especially because of how many people are more uh, are more receptive to doing things like that, especially with the advent of all of the health tracking in the Apple Watch with the Fitbit, um, uh, all of the other health applications that are out there. It doesn't really seem too far-fetched to see more and more pushing, especially into the gaming realm, for um, not even just fitness, but also overall general health, and moving even further into therapeutics and recovery, rehabilitation, and more.
1: Right, and yeah. well, and you think about as uh, bits and portions of Google Stadia slowly get dissolved back or, back into the ether. Um, one of the things that has popped up is. Uh, Stadia's kind of moved a portion onto Peloton. I mean, I've thought for years since back in the day when they first put out, you know, tracks that you could run to like a a zombie pandemic or whatever, and basically you were supposed to be being chased or whatever. And there they were different recordings you could download, and I was like, this could be cool, like on a bike with a tablet or something. And all of a sudden, that's happening.
0: Yeah, because I. I originally, I think, I purchased it for iPhone. I don't remember. Was uh, Zombies Run, and it would yeah. use it would use GPS and the accelerometer to, uh, as you're running, you would actually pick up supplies and materials, and then you know it is like you got to get stuff for your for your base, and then as you're running, um, it would be different points where zombies would just appear. You'd have to pick up the pace and run faster to get away from them. Well, I could never run faster right. to get away from them, ever, but yeah, it was an interactive experience that changed the way I was actually exercising and moving about so yeah you are right is that there are things that have existed in the past you know i made mention of like the wii being used for for physical therapy um and the connect also being used for physical therapy too and just things are becoming more and more clear that gaming can still be a bastion of good by providing like for companies to come together and be able to provide this level of experience to help rehabilitate people and hopefully keep it low cost in the sense of what you actually have to put into it, instead of it being thousands upon thousands of dollars for all of these other things that have to occur though, too, you know, it's like, can I supplement this and save myself some money in a way to be able to help myself without having to go through the major expenses of all of these other things.
1: Yeah. And aside from that, why can't fitness be fun?
0: That is very true. Yeah. Why can't fitness and therapy be fun?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I
0: I absolutely agree. Uh, Speaking of fun, I guess let's talk about this one here next, though. And uh, we're going to be talking here about Hogwarts Legacy State of Play. So on the 17th, uh, Sony hosted a State of Play on PlayStation specifically for Harry Potter's Hogwarts Legacy game. Or at least I guess we should just call it Hogwarts Legacy. Holy ha- Hogwarts. Yeah, it's just, it's pre Harry Potter, really, is what the story does. <laughs> so uh, the game itself was shown off, and actually, we got 14 minutes of in game footage. Uh, so I got the article here from Game Informer talking about it. So you're able to create yourself a whole uh, student. You know, you've got the choice of being able to, um, um, you've got the ability to create your own character, uh, pick the class that you're enrolled in. Um, or, or not class, but house that you're in, excuse me. Pick the classes, of course. And then um, you'll have different demos on different things you'll actually be able to learn. But it is an open-world RPG, so imagine taking The Witcher and Fallout
1: and Skyrim and all these things, and now Harry Potter. <gasps> or just, you know, Rockstar's bully uh, in, you know, Hogwarts. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, agreed. So, but, I don't know, it just gave me vibes of Bully, and I I, I thought that when I watched the State of Play, because we, we had talked about it a little bit the day that the uh, State of Play aired, and I hadn't get, got to see it, and I did actually watch it that night, and I was like, this looks like Bully, but at Hogwarts. <laughs> I hope it doesn't become Bully at Hogwarts, but I I, I don't know, that, that couldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Bully was a really good game, and I mean... The fluidity of the gameplay and some of the things that they talk about, um what you'll be able to do, di- being able to attend the different classes and you actually get to take free time off and, you know, fiddle with potions yourself or go solve puzzles around the castle, actually after you learn specific spells or figure out spells on your own. Oh, so. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that's going to enhance it just like as you would in any of these other open world RPGs that you build up those skills to be able to go and do these extra things. So maybe you can put emphasis on learning certain skill sets to make yourself better at maybe casting a spell or making those potions, you know, and balance out what type of character do you want to be? Um, you know, even outside of the character that you do create. Um, well, I've and not- as
1: we've seen in the uh, the trailer too, it doesn't just take place at the castle. You have the ability to go into the forest. You have the ability to go into town you know what is it hogsmeade i believe yes right yes you have the ability to go into hogsmeade and and uh take on a whole other faction of people at hogsmeade that have nothing to do with the castle so it it definitely has some uh interesting aspects that i i'd like to check out but i don't know they just don't leave a lot in the trailer to how the game controls
0: yeah, and I, I kind of expected that anyway. Um Well, okay, so Serpent Knight here says smuggle in some Weasley products. Unfortunately this is pre <laughs> Weasley time, so I don't know. If we run into a Weasley <laughs> at this point, it's gonna be very bizarre. But anyway, um I you know yeah, I agree. They don't really get in any of it. It is actually showing off gameplay, but you don't. I don't think you get any actual views of like the HUD or any of the other like interactive stuff, though. But I wonder if Very outside minimal. of I wonder if outside of the things they've shown off here, though, is that if there will be interesting quirks or differences as it comes up to like the house that you're actually in. Like, say if you are in like like I've done the Pottermore stuff with my family, so like I I am a Hufflepuff. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, with that. You know, it's like there are different unique quirks and traits that come with being in each house. So, like, if I end up being in a Hufflepuff, is my experience going to be different than if I put a character into Slytherin or into Gryffindor um, or into Ravenclaw? You know, are you going to have these different, like, unique takes on things, not just into, like, you know, going into your dormitory and that, but like these other things, though, that just happen because of being, um, you know, a part of these different houses instead?
1: See, and that's kind of what I wondered, too, because the om- they, they show at the beginning of the trailer the character kind of wandering around with the different scarf. I, I think he's got a Ravenclaw scarf on at one point and a, and a Hufflepuff yeah. scarf on at one point. Yeah. But most of the rest of the trailer, he's actually playing as a Gryffindor. And when he goes into the dorm room, he, he goes into the Gryffindor door, dorm room. So I wonder if each of the dorm rooms are going to have maybe unique side quests, are going to look slightly different um i don't know it it, there's a lot that they didn't cover and i i kind of wish they would have given a little bit more time to to showing off some of the different houses other than saying oh well you can be part of each one of the houses if you want or whatever i think i think Um, even
0: some of it though too is like like you were saying though you know a lot of the different um aspects to these things and i think because you know obviously this doesn't have any books to go off of so there's a lot of the design and detail that obviously has come from the movie that exists in here so it's not like it was a unique take on Harry Potter in the sense of you know like how much different are things going to be from what we saw in the movies um mm-hmm. you know or is like it's going to be a different take like it was in the book um <clears throat> where uh you remember that first Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone game that came out on PlayStation faintly <laughs> well so that one or PlayStation 2 that one itself looked nothing like any of the other Harry Potter games that came out after because most of those games were based around the design details that were from the movies this does really adapt more to what we've seen in the movies than anything else character design right. the castle design the 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 robe and house designs and such so you know but I do like this it's just going to be a problem to actually get because I'm gonna have to fight my wife to actually play it <laughs> time to buy another xbox or let her play on the series x and and you play i'll play on, on the pc and then uh, i don't know you know we'll go from there i guess I, I guess i'm gonna have to buy a couple copies of this game then so maybe maybe we'll just have some sort of weird thing where even though it was a state of play on you know showing off playstation footage maybe it'll be on game pass <laughs> maybe it'll be on game pass
1: yeah i i don't know I, one of the things that i kind of was curious about too is because they do show off that the rumor requirement is going to be a major part of the game it'll be kind of almost like your uh hunter's dream for hogwarts um you know if you were to parallel it to bloodborne uh but it'll be where you know everything you need is at and will that change if you're in a different house you know will the mission structure change i that's the stuff that i want to know is the story going to be slightly different, or you know, it, you know, is your perspective of what what's happening going to be changed depending on your house? True. That, that's why I am kind of so, You know,
0: that's why I brought. Yeah, it up. I'm like, kind of leaning more
1: to the effect of if you're a Slytherin, are you going to get to be the bad
0: guy? <laughs> right, and it's not necessarily that like every Slytherin is a bad guy though either. Like, I this guess it depends. On, I guess it depends on the time that a lot of these things take place that because this is pre Harry Potter. This is pre what we know from the books. So whatever does happen in this is going to be, I guess really the unknown is, is it, there is nothing, at least I think that's been put out about what time period this actually takes place in. Like how, how much is it like happening? I think they, they actually to... did
1: say at the did beginning they? of the trailer, it's uh late 1800s. Okay. So this
0: is definitely well before yeah. that. So, uh, I, I, guess, I don't know. I guess it's really going to depend. Because so, you're talking pre-Voldemort here, too. So uh, yeah. even so, even so, I mean, the graphics look great. I think the actual interacting that you have with everything, not only the stuff that it looks like you get to learn, but uh, the actual um, combat elements here, too, are, are really, really neat. And uh, the, the different combos it looks like you could even make to uh, take down people that you're actually... You know, defending yourself against, and that's is gonna that's one you of you the things really that they really, really showcased. Oh yeah, exactly. It, got... Is
1: the fact that you can make you know different combos and the combos that you can make, it's it's you making them. You know, like you can combine spells and come up with something different for for yourself that that works for you that might not work for someone else. Agreed. So
0: yeah, there there are probably going to be some of those things that come up that are going to be exactly. Like that. And I'm I'm excited to see exactly how that all does get put together. I'm very curious to see exactly what happens. Oh, yeah. And you're right. It's right here in the article from Game Informer. I just m- must have missed this part when I was scrolling through it, although, too, as it says it takes place over 100 years before the Potter novel. novel. So, yes, you're right. Yeah. Late 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. So. Awesome. Well, I think this does look like a good game. Um, Again, if anybody wants to watch the entire footage, I know I was showing a little bit there. um, It is over on the official PlayStation YouTube channel. Um, Go check that out, of course. Again, it's about 14 minutes long. You do get some details. Um, If you want more details, uh, check out the article from Game Informer or, of course, go watch the full state of play. And they actually do have talking and chatting in there, though, too, about what they're working on. Um, In the meantime, we're going to move on here to at least the last story we have on the agenda, and that is the Halo TV series has some reviews in now. And according to this article from uh, GamesRadar, it sounds like there's a lot of tropes that are taken from the highly successful Mandalorian TV show. Uh, A couple of the reviews here starting off. So from The Hollywood Reporter says creators... Kyle Killen and Stephen Kane have adapted Halo in a way that basically renders it with the emphasis on basic, a clone of the Mandalorian or sweet tooth or the road or lone wolf and cub boasting no technological innovation to speak of few performances to offer meaningful grounding and only limited action thrills. Halo is aggressively forgettable, which is at least several steps up from bad. So there's that. And then a couple other ones here too. Um, in this TV show Schreiber gets significantly more work this is a review from variety uh gets significantly more to work with especially as the character begins to question his total commitment to taking orders and links up with Quan to create an unlikely pair of easy compatriots and yes in these moments it's nearly impossible to not compare Halo to the Mandalorian um, some of the other reviews though too uh I've actually made it clear like those first couple are the ones that really mention the Mandalorian. You don't actually see much else being mentioned about it as you go through the rest of these reviews mentioned by GamesRadar. Um, but a lot of them are saying that it looks like the foundation is there and it's really built more on what streaming has become as of late. Is that especially like with Disney Plus where you make one episode, you really leave that big cliffhanger asking for more. And in the not fashion of what Netflix does is you're not releasing an episode, you know, until the next week, whereas Netflix dumps the entire season on you in one go. Right. So I'm that really has even been said here by the reviewers is that it's one of those things that it feels like there are there's a good foundation starting, but it looks like it's more in the interest of what streaming has done anyway to different shows to really keep you in and keep you subscribed to that service instead of being able to watch everything in one fell swoop, which business wise, I understand, but well, at the same time, it doesn't, that, kind of that's suck.
1: unfortunate. Um, I, I feel like that first, uh, review their description of the, the, the character, um, as Master Chief, you're, that that's Master Chief. Stoic, quiet, doesn't say much, all action, Master Chief. So no problems there. But I mean, for it to for everyone to say it kind of falls into that category. I mean, that that's what keeps people coming to shows nowadays. So I mean, I I, I see where people are maybe coming from, trying to do you know replicate the same same spark you know yeah
0: there was something here too yeah so this review from inverse here is what has me a little bit more can like concerned about what i guess we're probably going to potentially see and here's what it says um it's the mandalorian it's the last of us it's logan and leon the professional in space it's a story trope that's trendy and in the uh ether but never wears out as long as the stories are exciting fresh and smart Halo doesn't excel at all of those qualities. Nauseating CG aliens dull the show's action. It's a bad sign when the game's live-action trailers from over a decade ago feel more visceral than the actual series. None of its ongoing plot threads seem to think beyond the heartstrings. The show's many mysteries remain locked behind Abrams-esque mystery boxes, which, this is where I was making the comment here, which feels like an obligation in the streaming era than a purposeful, creative choice. So this reviewer here makes more makes a more direct comment about comparing to things that we know where the previous entries for anything halo live action related were the tie in live action trailers for any of that's a lot of glaring statements in one review Oh, absolutely (laughs) absolutely, it is so what do you think about that then kyle
1: uh that that makes me really wary about seeing the covenant and you know especially you know bad cgi aliens uh the fact that the action looked better in the you know 2 minute trailers or whatever that sucks too because those i mean i remember watching those when i was you know like 20 or whatever and going oh man this would be really cool just to see a full episode of this just this and you know if they if they destroy that idea um if they if they you know make it too bombastic then yeah it's going to be ruined it definitely will and it it, it kind of makes me scared i'm I, I don't know i'm still wary but i'm still kind of excited to see it with any live action adaptation of anything i mean look at Cowboy Bebop just recently and they tried to stay as true to the anime as possible and look what happened Well, I I feel like, you know, if they try and stay as true to the characters, as true to the action, you know, maybe not necessarily the story, but the action and what the the whole thing, the idea is. It's probably going to fall flat because it's going to be like the video game. Well, I think some of it, though, anyway, is that it's not
0: sticking one-one with the video game. And we already have known about that since the trailers came out. Right. Because we've always known, at least up until we got into... Uh, Halo 4 and 5 with, like, the reintroduction of other Spartans, you know, that it's like Master Chief was the lone Spartan. You know, he was the one that survived compared to all the others, whether they were killed in action, missing Mm -hmm. in action, or just flat-out disappeared. Um, This takes away from that completely, focuses more on what's on Earth, talks about Halo in a completely different light. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle some of that stuff. But in the meantime, I mean, I am cautiously optimistic. I want to watch it, but some of these reviews do put me off a bit.
1: Yeah, it puts me off a bit. Uh, I'm with you, though. Cautiously optimistic. It, it's Halo. It, yeah, exactly. I, I've got to have a little hope for it. Yeah, I do. I do, too, because
0: I'm a big fan of Halo. Okay, don't get me wrong. I th- I think everybody here who's watching this knows that. Um. So I am going to watch. Well, and this has come a long way since
1: the day of, you know, them wanting what, uh, something like $5 billion to produce a movie when that was totally unheard of. Wait, how much money? It was like 5 billion at that time. I don't know if it was that. Maybe it was more than that. Yeah, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. I know it was some insane number. Maybe it was like 500 million. I don't remember, but it was just an egregious amount of money. To produce one movie, movie, but yeah, that was I, also back, you know, Halo 3 time.
0: Yeah, that was where they were really banking on the popularity of Halo, and it's not to say Halo's not yeah. popular now, uh, but you are right, is that, yeah, that's like, that was part of it with Halo, is that they were banking on a lot of things happening with it, and trying to just build up on what the success was at that point in time, and you know what? I mean, it didn't work out, but here we are now, what, um... 14 years later, since the launch of, 15 years later, since the launch of Halo 3, and now we got a series, we got Halo Infinite, you know, we've had all these other Halo games that have come out since then, and it's just, it's awesome. It's fantastic. So, I mean, it's not like we're not getting anything, but, you know, um, I am, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about it. I'll watch the first episode, you know, I'll see what it's like, because if you didn't see, um they are now giving a 30-day free trial of Paramount Plus if you're a Game Pass member. So I might go sign up for that and get, you know, at least the first four episodes, you know, that way in the given month. Probably try to start at the day that the first episode comes out.
1: And, you know, if you don't like it, you can always watch Picard or, you know, Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) I
0: also want to watch Picard, too, so that also is another reason to probably go do the trial. Yeah, and they just started third season damn it, i got all these things to do now. I don't have time for this, Kyle. I want to (laughs) play... I forgot the name of the game again. I want to play more Core Keeper with you at some point, and this is not the way to get me to do that. You don't introduce (laughs) other shows. Otherwise, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to go spend money and put a screen above this screen here that I'm looking at right now. I'm going to have to put another screen up here so I can have movies playing up here or TV shows and do that, or figure out a way to put my little 720p projector up so I can actually have that going. Okay? I can't do that. I don't have
1: time. Nah, now. Eventually you just put the projector at the base of your bed. So at night you can just watch it on the ceiling. <laughs> Dude, I, I My bed is right behind me now. Let me see. I know.
0: You know what? I actually might have space for that. Um, I'll get back <laughs> to you on whether or not I can get that to work or not. But anyway, with that said, of course, that is actually it for the news this week. There is another story to talk about uh, kind of here as well, though, too. I guess it's, it's, I wouldn't call it necessarily a quick one, but I'm going to look this one up here really quick. Um because it involves um it involves uh uh the the developer of a really pretty popular game here. You know what Kyle, let's get into it really quick before we actually finish up then and we can talk about it. So, um Okay. Uh developer Moon Studios um uh, they are the developer who made uh, the Ori series, so Ori and the, uh, what is it, Will of the Wisps and Ori and the Blind Forest. They yep. are being accused of a oppressive and sexist workplace. Um, Moon Studios has a, this article is from Kotaku, it's, they have a no BS policy, which gave the founders license to bully and demean. So according to this here, uh, so just reading the first part of the article, it says, Moon Studios or games are some of the most excellent and beautiful platformers around. Some developers now claim that the same can't be said for the founders of the studio that made them. According to a new report by VentureBeat, current former developers say Moon can be an oppressive place to work where casual sexism and racism were tolerated. Um, which kind of sucks. Uh, you know where it's at. It's like, despite having predominantly remote workforce spread out across the world, however, developer told VentureBeat, um, developers told VentureBeat, uh, Mahler and Coral, uh, or Coral, the, uh, these are the, um, founders of moon studio. So that's Thomas Mahler and, uh, Genity Coral. Uh, they still managed to foster a toxic work atmosphere that included sexist jokes and derogatory remarks. So apparently screen caps actually made it to VentureBeat, Um, and, uh. Uh, of like the screenshots got out there of the different chats and things like that. We're talking about some of the problems. It's just yeah, uh, uh, God damn it! After all the stuff with Activision Blizzard, this is just like one of those
1: things that just sucks to come out, you know? And, yeah, uh, I mean, especially like you said, especially with Blizzard under fire, you would think companies would try to do their best to to correct any any misgivings or anything that they've got going on currently and and fix it otherwise something's gonna happen and obviously something's happening with blizzard activision i mean they they've had all sorts of problems before you know the the news of the the uh microsoft buyout which still won't even take place until next year but I mean, we've had walkouts, we've had lawsuits, we've, you know, had investigation after investigation. Why would anyone want to put their company under that microscope?
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. It's like, why would you want to do that? But if they've existed less time than Activision Blizzard has, and it still happens. That's the thing is that this is still pervasive mm-hmm. throughout the environment. So I had to go look this other part up because you and I, like I sent you this link to uh, reset era. And um, I had to go and look at this link though, from the gamer that actually talked about Microsoft's reaction to what had happened is that uh, according to this article from the gamer, it's Microsoft reportedly refused to work with Ori developers due to a talk, to- uh, due to the toxic workplace allegations. Apparently Microsoft was aware that the studio had problems and they decided not to publish their upcoming game. Uh, So it says here. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, So the article goes on to say in the latest episode of Game Mess with Jeff Grubb and Mike Minotti, Grubb says that sources told him that Microsoft was aware of the issues within Moon Studios and decided not to publish the next game after Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, And so Grubb goes on to say, it's not like this culture is like something that is contained. Microsoft is well aware of what this company is like. And when they got done with Ori 2, there is a reason that Private Division is publishing their next game and not Microsoft. So uh, basically, Microsoft knew that they were going to be a pretty big liability when it came to this stuff and decided to basically split with them given the the thing here it's like well if you're not going to be changing your culture if you're not going to be changing what's happening here with all these reports that were coming out we're not going to do business with you anymore you guys have made great games but even those great games have a liability behind them and we're not going to work with you
1: on this one so you're gonna have to go find another publishing partner well and you know that that might actually speak to other companies too if microsoft is stepping away from you and saying no yeah. So it might make it hard for them to actually find a publisher to put out their game unless they want to try and attempt to publish it themselves.
0: Yeah, cuz here's the last little bit that Jeff Grubb had that uh the game, you know, referenced. at
1: least going fut- further in into the future um for for future releases anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. But here's what uh what the gamer referenced though from what Jeff Grubb had said. Uh they have From him, it says, I was told this explicitly this morning that Microsoft was aware and everyone understood that's what this company is like. And so, it's clearly not the kind of thing where it's like, oh, this is a couple of jokes happening on Discord. The studio has a reputation and it was hurting them financially because they had to take a deal with Private Division instead of another big deal with Microsoft. And that affects everyone at that company. Bonuses, payouts, all that stuff is what affects that. So, again, the fact that your company has this no BS policy, everyone's allowed to speak their mind, doesn't mean that it's it's open season for being able to make these types of comments and these types of jokes. It, it's never yeah, it doesn't mean it's you can walk around like being an asshole all day. <laughs> Agreed, one hundred percent agree. I mean, what do you think is going to happen for the Ori series though
1: after this? Um, could mean that it, it might have a bleak future. Um, and let less they can actually go through and correct the problems figure out what's going on uh remove the people that that are causing the issue and you know try and really get to the bottom of it yeah
0: it's going to require a whole purge of people and and unfortunately that might be the case like we know that microsoft of course has has bought out uh or is purchasing activision blizzard and that's still you know under the under the microscope anyway with the lawsuits in california um so they've got their work out ahead of them. But obviously, Moon Studios is small enough that, and even though they've put out a couple great games, that they can still be put under the exact same microscope, and it's easier for Microsoft to say, you have a problem? We're not dealing with you anymore. You need to go somewhere else. Yeah. So at least they can do that. Activision Blizzard is going to be definitely another fight for them to address. I just Well, don't and know if one of the big three
1: are going to say no, that, that could mean a bleak future.
0: It very well could. You go back to independent publishing on other platforms like Steam and Epic Game Store and that, though, too, Mm -hmm. which might make you maybe a little bit more money because then you don't have to do all these other deals and such. But being able to miss out on publishing on some of these other platforms because of your reputation, who knows what's going to happen? It could make things worse.
1: Yeah. Is is the loss worth the, uh, the minimal growth in other areas? Exactly. Is
0: it really worth it? So, anyway, that was just the last story to talk about, because that was a really big one from this week, though, too. But anyway... Now we're officially done with the news. That is it for the news this week. Right, Kyle? Right? Yeah, that's right. Yes, I believe so. There we go. I'll speak for you. Kyle says yes. Anyway, (laughs) uh, with that said, of course, though, (laughs) thanks so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode of the Weekly News Roundup. Of course, be sure to follow us here on YouTube. Of course, subscribe, notification bell, all that fun stuff. I am really trying to get those quick saves started back up. I apologize for those falling behind. Life has gotten in the way with a lot of different things happening, so I will try to get back onto those here soon because those were fun to do. In the meantime, of course, though, too, be sure to go subscribe to our podcast as well. Um, Hate to say it, Kyle and I have kind of run out of ideas here in the short term on some of the discussed things to talk about, so we are working through some of that... uh some of that dumpster fire, of course, that resides as well. So, if anything, you'll probably see some more live streams from us coming, though, too. But, of course, be sure to go check out our back catalog on the podcast itself, though, over on anchor.fm slash the slash podcast or on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, go check out our previous NPCs discussed. Go check out our previous uh, weekly What are You Play-ins, Go check out our previous topic episodes. All the fun stuff we put up there. Um, and, of course, we, do, uh, we are starting to put up our news live streams as well um, in podcast form when I can finally download them and get them cut out as well, too. Follow us on social media as well on Facebook and Twitter at the NPCs podcast too. Again, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this week's news live stream. We'll catch you all next week.
1: Bye-bye.